struggling hunters that are out there you got me joe and then on the other side you got i'm eric <laughs> and uh like we said we're the struggling hunters um thank you for tuning in hopefully you guys uh enjoyed our last podcast uh back to our i guess our history lessons <laughs> and uh hopefully you guys enjoyed a couple of those uh, episodes but this this time, uh, we're going to go even further into history, um, and hopefully we can keep your interest. We're going to be soon, uh, and I guess one of the first frontiersmen, and we'll see see what what do you have, Eric? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So obviously we're doing Daniel Boone. Uh, I would, I've been wanting to do this for a while because as uh, as growing up, you always hear of Daniel Boone and uh, Davy Crockett. And for both of them to a sense, unless, you know, you're a history buff and you, you kind of hear, oh, you know, they were uh, great hunters, great expeditionists. And, and, uh, but that's about as far as it goes. So I, I wanted to take a little deeper dive. Now there's so much more about Daniel Boone than what I'll probably talk about tonight, but kind of give you an overview of how he became famous and and why he's still talked about today. That's kind of what I have down. The research that I did uh, was mostly kind of focused toward that of kind of what made him uh, so great and still talked about to this day. I mean, we're talking, uh, you know, over 200 years later and, and we're still talking about him. So uh, with that said, I'll just kind of get into it. And uh, uh, Daniel Boone, he was born uh, November 2nd, 1734. It's a crazy time. That was before, obviously, before uh, before America became America. True. Um, what would that be exactly? 40, 42 years before? Something like that. Anyway, uh, he was born in Pennsylvania on 17... 17- in 1734 to Squires and Sarah Boone. Um, the one thing about Daniel Boone is there's a lot of myth and then there's a lot of uh, truth. And like all the history people have said that I've been researching is uh, the, it, it's kind of funny that he has a lot of myth to his name because the, the factual stories about him are, are very interesting themselves. But as as uh, as any any story goes, you know, every time it gets passed to the next person, uh, for example, uh, a lot of people kind of say that the first time that he got a hunting rifle was whenever he was 13. But some some people say like he was 10 whenever he got his first hunting rifle. So it's stuff like that, you know, try to make it a little bit younger to make him sound more more of a mythological person. Um so with that said, uh, uh, Daniel, they say that Daniel learned to hunt from the Lenape uh, Indians, uh, which I guess uh, they, so the, the, the Boons were part of a Quaker community and, and I guess they had a relationship with the Lenape Indians in Pennsylvania. And um, 
And so they, they had a tight relationship there. Now it's kind of, kind of weird. Cause as time goes on, uh, Daniel Boone, uh, had sm- uh, battles with, uh, some other tribes and Indian tribes in in later on in life. But, uh, with that said, that's where he learned to hunt supposedly was from the Lenape Indians. And in 1750, they moved to North Carolina. Um, Boone served in the French and Indian war under Edward uh, Braddock. And I don't have it written down, but uh, I guess later on in life, Daniel actually talked about uh, general uh, Braddock and said that he was a, he was not a very good leader, uh, caused a lot of, a lot of, uh, uh, death and stuff like that. Um, some of this stuff, you know, I mean, if you're a history buff, you're probably going to fact check me, but I just, you know, like I said, I just did try to get to where I kind of understood why he became such a legend. Uh, not so much trying to write down every little exact thing that he did in life, but, but I thought that was kind of interesting because, he served in the military, but at that time, I think it was under uh, British rule. And then later on in life, he, whenever America uh, uh, colonized, he, uh, uh, let me see if I get this right. He, he sided with the Americans. So, so he fought early in the military under the British rule, but later on he, he, uh, you know, was, was an American, I guess you could say, and, and, uh, served under them. Um, while he was in the, uh, French and Indian war, uh, he met a guy named John Finley and, uh, John Finley told him about Kentucky, basically bragged about how beautiful it was and how nice it was. And Kentucky at that time wasn't settled, um, wasn't a settlement place. So it was kind of on touch land, if you will. And, um, and so he kind of told them about it. And then, uh, and then the war was over and he went back to uh, North Carolina and uh, he met Rebecca Bryan, who he married in August 14th, 1756. And uh, in 1761, I uh, must've messed up here. Cause uh, in 1761, uh, he moved to North Carolina and uh, there that's where he did a lot of hunting and trapping and uh, trading for fur. And I think that's where he started getting his, his name for the expeditions and the hunting that he did. Um, and he moved there. And then on May 1st of nine or 1769, he saw Finley again around that time. And, and uh, Finley again told him about Kentucky and so they both decided with a few other people to uh, move, move into Kentucky. And there, um, once they moved in there, uh, the, the Shoney Indians uh, captured him. Uh, and they actually captured him twice. And the first time they took all of his pelts, all of his fur, and he survived. And... Um, this one, this little story here, I heard uh, in all the research that I did, I heard that story in every single uh, thing that talked about Daniel Boone. And uh, to go in a little little depth on Daniel, they say that he was like a pretty charismatic and smooth guy. 
he could um he kind of talk his way out of anything or talk his way into anything you know he's he had a lot of uh a lot of charisma and uh they say that um from what they understand about him like he didn't really ever get mad or angry and try to but you know like he kind of knew when he had been he'd been had and so whenever they took his all his fur and and uh, everything that that you know he was going to use to probably sell and make some money he didn't get mad about it but that's the reason that he survived he didn't try to fight back he just like okay you know you take it you know you you win the you win the battle and uh, he moved on and um and he, and he, he moved on and and uh and then uh over there while they were there in 1775 he created a settlement named uh Boonesboro. Now in another thing that I uh, uh, it was a podcast I believe that I listened to uh they kind of went in depth on that on uh Boonesboro settlement and uh he said that I can't remember the the guy's name but but they actually had it was Boonesboro settlement but he wasn't like the he wasn't the general in the settlement. He was actually just a captain. But he had so much charisma and stuff that when stuff would happen, the people there would just uh, kind of look to him for leadership. And the general, like I said, the the name is skipping me, but the general um, got mad and didn't like that. Basically, got jealous and. Um, and they, he he uh, he sued him for treason, which he which Boone was later on um, acquitted of all the charges because it wasn't there wasn't nothing there. But that was just how how like charismatic he was. Is he wasn't even the captain at his. Well, it kind of says two things about him. He was a very humble guy, a very very humble and and uh, you know not. It's weird because he was charismatic, but he was also humble and. And, um, and so people look, looked at him because for his charisma, they looked toward him as a leader, but he was also a very humble and, and, uh, and, uh, reserved man from what they said. And, and, uh, like I said, that, that general, uh, didn't like that because whenever things would go down, they would all look to Boone instead of the general. And later on, they, they, uh, they went to court over or and trying to get Daniel Boone for treason. And like I said, he was acquitted of those charges and nothing ever came of it. But, but anyway, so he created that settlement called Burns Boonesboro and, um, and which was, uh, uh, and then that survived. I can't remember how long that survived, but that was kind of interesting that he created. And he created a couple other settlements too in Kentucky. And then uh, something else to note on July 5th, 1776, the exact day after uh, America became America, the, the, the declaration of independence was, was signed or written. Uh, he, he, Boone's daughter was kidnapped by the Shoney Indians and uh it was it was uh, kind of a good story i guess you could say he caught up with the with the Indi- the 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 few tribe members he caught up with them and uh he got he got his daughter back so it was kind of uh 
you know, well, I can't say it was no harm, no foul, but he did get her back. And, and uh, I don't have this written down, but there was another war or another battle where he lost his second to eldest son, I believe. I forgot to write yeah. that, that little story down, but he lost his second to eldest son to a, to a battle with, with the Indians. But I want to say um, what I, what I remember or what I remember about reading about that was he didn't, he wasn't exactly there. And the people that charged forward, he blamed himself for that, for losing his son to, to that, that situation, but he wasn't even there uh, in that particular battle. It was somebody else leading the charge, but he blamed himself his whole life about that. So, um, so yeah, I guess, you know, he kind of lived with a lot of guilt there. I want to say, and I forgot to write this down too, but I want to say that he had like 11 children. So yeah, that's what I believe. That's what I read was that he had somewhere 11 children. And then the, one of the stories I read too, I don't know how true it was, but one of the times that, uh, cause I only think I only saw it in one of the readings was that he, one of the times he was captured by the Indians, he was ca- captured for so long that his wife thought he was dead. Um, his wife went and I guess, I don't know if she married his brother, but slept with his brother and, was pregnant by his brother and they had one of their daughters that I guess Boone claimed and as one of his own and then, you know, went back to life. But I thought that was kind of interesting. You yeah. Know, I, I <laughs> thought I was dead. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, but I wasn't. <laughs> I re- yeah. I read that same thing and, and I thought that was interesting too. He just, he came back and he's like, Oh wait, what happened here? Oh, okay. Well, you, you know what? You guys, it's okay. You guys thought I was dead. I mean, it kind of really shows his character. He was kind of, you know, back in those days, I mean, people would shoot each other for that, but he was like, I get it. You guys thought I was dead. <laughs> we all have yeah. our needs. <laughs> well, I mean, that's just, <laughs> I mean, but just kind of, you know, I thought about that. I was like, put yourself back in that time. And I mean, could you imagine being captured and like, you know, back then you, I mean, even today, I don't think captures capturees are allowed to communicate with family, but you know, do you really have no word? Like, you know, as if you were captured, killed or, or what, you know? Yeah. So man, imagine being sitting there in, in the teepee or whatever and, and like not knowing, not being able to do anything. I don't know what they did with their, the people that were captured, but you know, you didn't have your phone to, to, to tick tock with someone or, or I don't know, but you know, and then, yeah, I, you know, I just kind of thought that putting myself in his shoes and kind of wondered what that would be, what that would be like to be captured. Yeah. I, uh, I, I know, like, I mean, the things that we think that are hard today, you know, I mean, he'd probably be laughing. He'd probably be thinking, oh, man, that'd be a good day for me, you know, in certain <laughs> in certain aspects. I mean, you know, I, 
it's kind of it's kind of crazy that uh but but they all they all I, you know guys like this like i mean they they did it to themselves though i mean he didn't have to go on all those expeditions he could have settled and and right. uh you know lived a happy life but he wanted to be he wanted to you know have a life of of going on expeditions and exploring the the mountains and and new land and that that was actually another thing that uh was repeatedly said through every every source that i was doing research on was uh was he like moved around a lot and uh he he had so much fame like he would move somewhere and then people would start coming in droves following him along and then he'd get tired of you know, oh, there's too many people here, and then he'd try to move somewhere else to be kind of what you you would consider by him by yourself, and and so it, it's really uh, he, I think he was in a real particular spot where he kind of he had this this fame about him that people wanted to be near him and and go wherever he was going, but then at the same time he didn't want he wanted to be kind of secluded and by himself. So it's kind of a weird, weird little game there that he had to play a fine line that he had to had to walk along. But uh, but speaking of, I don't think I don't know if this was the capture that where where his wife said, "Ah, it's been gone for so long." But uh, kind of moving on from from what we were just talking about uh, in January of 1778, basically the. Um, the village was, was getting low on food and, and salt and, uh, to keep their meat good. So, so they're going to go on an expedition to get more supplies basically. And on that expedition, uh, the, the uh, Shoshones, is that right? I said it, the Shawnees uh, Indians uh, captured Boone. Again, this was the second memorable time by the warrior of blackfish was his name. And after being there a while, um, they were, they were impressed by Boone's uh, way to, to uh, uh, hit the thing or how he hunted and uh, trapped or his trapping skills. And uh, so they kind of gave him more freedom. They kind of adopted him in the tribe and gave him more freedom. Eventually after about four months, uh, he escaped from there, and obviously, I, th- I he went back to Boonesboro uh, for a while, but he escaped back there and and uh, got away from the tribe. And uh, I I don't know really what came of that if they kind of went after him or if they just let him go. I, I it didn't really say anywhere, so I don't know. And then, but to uh, kind of get into uh, where he where he gained most of his popularity or where he became a, uh, a national star, if you will, uh, on his 50th birthday on Daniel Boone's 50th birthday, uh, November 2nd, 1784, uh, John Filson released a book called the discovery settlement and present state of Kentucky, uh, which, was a lot about Boone and all his expeditions into Kentucky. Uh, and it, and it made, it made Boone a very, a very well-known man. Uh, Boone also, he was a surveyor and kind of a businessman. He had a trading post and a bar 
and this was kind of like his life where, you know, there was, he, he wasn't the greatest businessman. Um, but, it, but it, this was kind of interesting to me. Like he would build a little bit of, uh, of estate and money and, and wealth. And then he would, he would like somehow one way or another end up losing it over time. Um, he had a lot of debt. So I, I don't, I guess he over leveraged himself in today's terms. He over leveraged himself and would end up losing his business and, and a lot of his land. He also had uh disputed uh, land claims. So, and, and so supposedly he was a pretty good surveyor, but what he wasn't good at was how, how he, he wasn't good at the paperwork side of it, I guess you will, if you will. So he got sued a lot. And that's how he lost a lot of his land uh, that way. And uh, in life, he moved to upper Louisiana, which is now known as Missouri. Um, and this is when the uh, when Spain owned it. So that was kind of an interesting story, too. So Boone was so well known. Uh, the Spain basically reached out to him and said, hey, we'll give you some land and and." Um, and and have you moved down here and what the idea was is he was such a big name people would follow so they wanted to they were trying you know spain was trying to basically make uh trying to make spain or the louisiana territory a little more popular popularized with people if boone moved over or that at least that's what they were they were saying Anyways, he moved over there, and um, and then whenever America bought it, um, was it the president or the guy? I can't remember now off the top of my head, but uh, somebody in government granted him 850 acres of, of land. But here again, uh, this kind of has two parts to it. He sold off a lot of that land to go back to Kentucky talking about the debt that he was in and stuff. He was in a lot of debt for a lot of years there. And he, he sold the 850 acres, which was now Missouri. I believe at this time, um, he sold that land and went back to Kentucky and paid off all of his old debts. And so, uh, there's two parts of this. There's a part where, where Daniel Boone said, said, you know, I wanted to basically do the right thing and pay off my old debts. But there was another thing where uh, people heard about him getting in inheriting. I don't know if inheriting is the right word, but but basically getting that 50 acres from the government. And a lot of people started chirping was like, hey, this guy's in debt. You know, what's he doing? How does he get? So out of kind of social pressure, they say that that's what forced him to sell it off and go back to Kentucky and settle all his debts. But uh, so it's hard to say which one's which, you know, if it was his idea that he wanted to settle his debts to basically. So after he died, he, uh, he wasn't considered a man that had a lot of unpaid debt or, or if it was because of the social pressure from people that found out that he, he got 850 acres from the government. Um, with that said though, uh, in 1813, they lived there in Missouri forever. And in 1813, his wife died and, um, 
And then he lived on for another seven years, basically, uh, until 1820. And at the age of 85, he died. Um, And then after he died, kind of like a lot of people, even in today's status, after they die, their their legendary status uh, grows tremendously after they die. Uh, The same thing happened to Daniel Boone, too. His legendary status grew uh, mostly one of the first books that was written after he died was the uh, biographical memoir of Daniel Boone, the first settler of Kentucky. Uh, That book, you know, got a lot of notoriety and, uh, and, and uh, basically helped him kind of grow into this legendary status. And we still talk about him today. Uh, One, one, a couple things that I thought was kind of cool. Actually, there's one other, I got a couple things that was kind of cool about um, just, I guess, like the descendants of Boone and and Boone's legacy that carried on. Um, He had four descendants that played in professional baseball. Uh, Ray Boone, his son, Bob Boone, and then uh, Bob's kids, uh, Brett and Aaron all played in uh in professional baseball and then the singer pat boone was also a descendant of daniel boone now truth be told i don't know any of those guys <laughs> way before my time but i thought it was cool that you know i mean he had uh very well-known descendants um you know or his descendants kind of made something of themselves later on in life too so I, I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, and then I forgot the other one that I was going to bring up, but uh, but anyway, yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I just thought uh, Daniel Boone's life was pretty interesting. And, and it was, you know, the, the big takeaway is uh, he did a lot of expeditions, but it seems like the stories that are most notably talked about are, are, are kind of more like his time served him as a businessman. Um, I would like to, I'd like to read more up on him about the actual expeditions that he went on. I don't know if he took much of a journal for himself, or not, but, uh, uh, you know, he was just kind of a well-known man. He was, he was, uh, he was in government. Uh, I can't remember exactly what he did in government, but he was, you know, he served in the military. He was in government. He was a hunter trapper. And, uh, and then he was a surveyor. He had all kinds of titles throughout his life and basically the most interesting man in the world during that time. And, (laughs) Uh, but at the same time, uh, uh, there's a lot of myth to him too. And, and, uh, you know, just people over time basically making books or TV shows about Daniel Boone and, and kind of stretching the truth and making you, you know, making people think that he something else that he wasn't, but his actual life was, was pretty, uh, pretty cool too, you know? So, oh, right. I, let me inject this. So his 
his neighbor, one of his neighbors was, uh, was the great, it was either the great, great or great grandfather of Abraham Lincoln. Hmm. And uh, I don't know if it was him or, or his son or somebody, but they, but they also married a cousin of Daniel Boone's. So Daniel Boone's cousin married into the Lincoln family, which later on Abraham Lincoln. So that was kind of an interesting connection too, that uh, had such close ties to the, to the Lincolns. Yeah. Yeah. That is kind of, kind of crazy or interesting too. Like, you know, thinking you try to draw your timeline and put Daniel Boone in the timeline of uh, the American history and, you know, where Abraham Abraham Lincoln was and then all that too. Like, you know, just, I just, where am I getting at? Just the fact that, you know, this has all happened years before. Even then, you know, before Abraham Lincoln, there was Daniel Boone. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> one of the things too is, you know, try to not to forget is uh, back then and during that time, the Kentucky, the Ozarks and all that, like that was, that was pushing West, you know, like the, to everybody back then you hit that line and everything further West than that was kind of the end of the world almost, you know, what well, kind of was you know, how, you know, no one really, really knew how to survive. Well, I mean, of course they knew how to survive, but being a frontiersman, you know, and a trapper or whatnot, that's when it kind of really took off or began because, you know, you had to be self-sufficient and be able to live off the land, provide for yourself without a settlement. You know, like a lot of back then with all the, the Indians and all the wars, you know, there was safety in numbers. So for him to take off and go by himself, yeah, that's kind of a big, uh, big a big step at times and you can see why he would uh he got captured a handful of times yeah uh some of his expedition they, they did say that too or most everybody pretty much said that is he would take off for months on end uh, on his expeditions and and you know just kind of stroll back eventually and and uh a matter of fact actually uh on the on the wikipedia there's a there's a quote from Daniel Boone kind of ties into just that. He says, I can't say I've ever been lost. I ever was lost, but I was bewildered once for three days. So <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Funny guy. But yeah, uh that was the thing. Uh there's so much history on him, you know, there's so much stories about him, but and uh and I'm I can't remember everything, but, but I do remember that. I really took that in is, is uh, he was kind of a, he was a smart, kind of a smooth talker um, could talk you into anything or talk you out of anything. And, you know, uh, he would get in those situations with the, with the Indians where most people during those times would, would get mad. You know, if you took all their, everything that they they had on their back if you took all that from you you know they'd be mad and try to fight back or or whatever you know and he'd be like you know okay you can you can take it and, and it saved his life you know they say ah don't come back here again that was something that the um the shawnees um 
they would, you know, they, they warned him that don't, don't ever come back here. And then he, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I won't. And then, you know, a few years later he came back and got captured, but it was kind of like, they forgot to tell him, they forgot all about telling him not to come back because, <laughs> but he, but he stayed alive through all that where, where most people during those times uh, probably would have been killed, especially during the war times. Right. You know, and it's kind of interesting though, too. So if you think, you know, how he was so easy going about, you know, getting all the stuff taken and how other people would be mad about it. Like I was kind of putting myself in that, in that predicament myself, you know, I'm trying to think back to 1700 sometimes I'm spending months on end. I'll um, Oh, what do you call, what is it a shuttle or a, what do you call the guy that if you're running a marathon or doing a race, like there, there's a van full, falling along to help you, your flat tires and give you food or whatnot. Now, pace. No, it wouldn't be a pace car. I know what you're talking about though. Like kind of like a shuttle. So, yeah. So like, you know, you kind of think, you know, he didn't have that back then, you know, you didn't have Grubhub or uh, Amazon prime to get you, you know, so like if you're, if you're, so I think they had Kentucky long rifles back then. And if you ran out of uh, patches for your black powder, you know, your patch and ball, or you ran out of black powder or flint or whatever, you know, it's not like you're like, oh, I'll just get on the old, uh, the, the old, uh, what I don't even know what you would call it. <laughs> get on. Yeah. Let me, Hey, we just ran out of black powder. Ah, let me get on prime. It'll be here in two days. Right. Like, you know, so, you know, and then, then if you think if you're kidnapped and then, or not, I guess not kidnapped, but apprehended by another, uh, another set of people and they take everything you have and everything you have was your survival for months. You know, you can see why people would, would get mad because now they got to survive this situation that they're in being apprehended. And then they got to survive when they're not apprehended, when they're, you know, if when they're released, but these people kept all their gear and you know, how are you going to survive now? So now you got to be a pretty good woodsman or a frontiersman to be able to survive, get back to civilization to restock resupply. And so I guess in a way that, you know, that is a, a good, uh, what's that? Then the other uh, fight or flight, you know, when he, you know, hit and hit, when instead of take, letting fear get in the better of him and really getting uh, irritated or mad at the situation, he, he his reaction was to stay calm and it is what it is, it seems like. Yeah, I, 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 I think that that personality trait, really helped keep him alive for a lot of years. And, uh, I mean, you know, or, you know, until he finally passed away from old age, but it sounds like he got himself in situations that, I mean, I already said it, but could have killed, you know, most people would have gotten killed and he, he managed to stay alive. So it's, uh, it's an amazing, is kind of an amazing guy that way. Um, and, uh, uh, I, I go ahead. Did you have? Uh, I was gonna have it pulled up, but uh, how many years he spent in, le- in legislator le- legislation? Uh, 
But, you know, like I just was sitting there thinking because it's kind of interesting, you know, that he, uh, <laughs> you know, that's one of the things I, I read too said he wasn't like, I wasn't very highly educated, but when he'd go out on his, his uh, excursions or his braving the woods, he'd always had a couple books with them too. So he, you know, he kept himself read, you know, or uh, up being able to read, you know, which was like, you know, kind of probably big back then too. Yeah. So he was, he was, he wasn't highly educated, but he was educated. Yeah. I, I, uh, I can't remember if I read it or heard it, but uh, his brother's wife actually is the one that taught him how to read. So, oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know how much like actual school, I, I, did they have much of an education schooling system in, 1730. I'm not sure to be honest. I'm sure there was something, but yeah, it's funny how this stuff, you know, in all honesty, gets more interesting to you the older you get. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, whenever I was younger, you know, I heard all these legends, and and I was like, ah, you know, that's cool, you know, Daniel Boone, yeah, great, great hunter, great expeditionist, you know. But that's about as far as I ever took it. I never really looked into it much further and now you know it's so interesting i'm not quite seeing anything here on this i mean i'm sure it's somewhere uh, i see a couple dates here but yeah oh like, wait i might have found it uh well in 17 17- in 1791, he was elected the Virginia legislator for the third time. Oh, okay. So, well, I don't, I don't know how long. How many years that would have been? Yeah, three, three terms worth. I don't know what a term is for a legislator. Is it two or four? Most uh, of it. Most everything in government is for, I believe, so. I don't know. He did a lot in life. But then, like, I, I kind of said it earlier, but it was kind of funny. He did so much different things, and he was kind of well-known for all of them. But then he would always find himself in debt or some kind of trouble as far as um, the land claims. That was that was I think that's like one of the biggest things that really hurt him is is uh they basically said that he uh well let me see here. Oh, okay, so yeah, the 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 land claims that he legally had after after he got but, you know, like, a- what's that? Go ahead. Go oh ahead. uh yeah, he had to sell off a lot of his other uh or the re- pretty much the remaining land that he had, uh, he had to sell it off to pay legal fees and taxes. So, but yeah, so I guess one of the things though that, uh, you know, he seemed like he wasn't scared to try something new. But the other interesting thing though, too, is being able to live to 85 years old during that time. I thought that was interesting too. I, I, Cause I mean, during those times he had to have been 
you know, like 150 in those in people's eyes during <laughs> those times. You'd think anyway. Um, speaking of that, though, uh, this is kind of interesting. I just saw this. So, I, I man, I really need to. I, there's a book I I should have wrote it or well that that uh, that memoir book I think would be a good one to read more on his life and and stuff. Um, I, I really, I, I need to get it and just like read it to uh, kind of understand more about Boone. Cause he was in so many different things, but I, I got to say this. So in 1798, a warrant was issued for Boone's arrest after he ignored a summons to testify in a court case. Although the sheriff never found him, that same year, the Kentucky Assembly named Boone County in his honor. So he was like an outlaw, but then they also uh, recognized him, you know. It's kind of funny. But so, yeah, he was he was a little bit of everything. I mean, he was fur trapper, expeditionist, uh, surveyor, outlaw, to be a legislator. I mean, he was kind of a little... Just a little of everything. True. True. But yeah, very interesting. I I don't know. I thought it was kind of a cool, a cool, uh, cool little read. And and uh, uh, you know, I was I was hurrying up trying to get as much information as I could about him. Uh, we we planned on doing this, but it was kind of a rush job, if you will. Uh, so I hope that we we kind of gave you guys a little bit more of an idea of what Daniel Boone was. Um, I was going to say, Joe, I, uh, I'm, I, you know, as far as Daniel Boone goes, I'm kind of done, but done with him, but uh, unless you got something else to say, um, but I was going to talk a little bit about, uh, about the Super Bowl, and I guess my, my hot take on it. <laughs> Uh, no, I was just was going to closing on Daniel Boone would be, uh, you know, just thinking of the gear that he would have used back then as far as, you know, the Kentucky long rifle. I didn't look to see what type of a knife they would have carried, but, you know, like, you know, uh, furs and, you know, not having, you know, your Kenetrex or your, you know, high-end boots to go hunting in and, been doing all that with the primitive stuff that what we consider primitive nowadays, you know, back in his day, that was high end, um, probably almost high on the hog in a way, but, uh, you know, just be, it's just interesting all what he was able to accomplish in the woods and whatnot with, uh, what we consider primitive. You know, uh, that's a really good point. And I guess it kind of like, when when you're using your times what your times best technology is i mean i guess you don't really know any different right right and so cuz that's an interesting fact cuz you saying that alone i'm like what kind of a bunch of sissy lalas anymore man <laughs> <laughs> you know i'm i'm trying to i'm trying to buy all this fancy fancy gear and and uh you know, trying to make, make myself more comfortable at the, uh, you know, in the woods. And then these guys are wearing, uh, you know, fur coats and whatever else they can grab to get through the winter. And, 
you know, I'm trying to make sure that I'm I'm buying top of the line stuff, which is kind of ridiculous, really. I I know it's ridiculous. I don't need to buy the top of the line stuff, but I'm kind of a gearhead that way where I, I, I like, I like to buy that stuff. So it is what it is, but, uh, yeah, man, I'm, we're kind of, we're kind of sissy lalas, man. Yeah. You know, just, it's just kind of, I guess in a way just paying him some homage or some respect for what, what he, he did with what he had, you know, and he probably, you know, he, Probably had a great time. It sounds like if you spent that much time out there. Anyways, that's all I got on it. So, uh, you know what though, you kind of opened the door for at least one more thing. Uh, his marksmanship—that was something that I read too. Is he had excellent marksmanship, and that's a lot of the reason that he got so many animals was because of his marksmanship. Now, there's one thing though, being a hunter or being. I don't know about Kentucky and, and I didn't have time to look this up or it kind of just slipped my mind to look it up rather. Um, but there's one thing that they all consistently said, and I kind of was like, it doesn't sound right, but they all talk about this story whenever he was a young, a younger man, um, that this Panther, uh, like charged him or whatever. And then they, you know, he shot the Panther and, that kind of like always starts out the mythical uh, persona of, of Daniel Boone was this Panther deal. But to my knowledge, unless I'm, I'm wrong. Cause I mean, obviously, you know, 1750, 1740, whatever, you know, it was, was many years ago. So uh, the landscape and everything could have been different, but to my understanding, Panthers aren't much of a North American animal. Uh, they're also referred to as mountain lions. So whenever they say panther, they're referring to a mountain lion. See, that's that's the problem with historians not understanding what they're actually saying. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah, because I mean, in today's terms, that's the one thing that they don't call mountain lions is panthers, right? Because panther is a basically a black cat i mean it's a black mountain lion if you will but right but but i want to say that they they enjoy more of like the the um the like mexican or mexico uh landscape down there that's why from what i understand you'll you'll see some that might you, you might be able to find a panther like in arizona but probably unlikely but mostly like Mexico is where you'd see a Panther. If you were lucky enough to ever see one from what I understand. (laughs) So, but that was my only, that was the only thing I didn't want to bring that up because I was like, it doesn't sound right. Calling saying a Panther. And then uh, one of the YouTube videos that I watched on that, uh, they said Panther I hope I don't get it wrong or people diss on me, but they said Panther and then showed a picture of a cheetah. And I'm like, well, that doesn't look right either. So I think like Panther is kind of like kind of a, a way lumps all big cats together. Oh, is that, uh, is that really a thing or was I that a thing back then? It could have been. Yeah. And I, I was trying to, re- uh, I'm going to start speculating. I don't really need to speculate. 
but <laughs> especially on that, I don't have all my facts correct, but yeah, I think that's what, you know, Panthers just, they're just lumping that into a, into the big cat category. Gotcha. That's kind of, I, I never, I never heard of that uh, being used that way. So that's kind of new to me, but um, yeah, I thought that was a little, little, little weird, but. Um, I mean, if, if that's what it is, but that kind of tells me that people that have researched them as of recently, like they don't really understand what a mountain lion or a panther <laughs> is either. True. So, but, uh, well, with that said, do you, do you have anything else or no, I'm good. All right. Did you even, did you watch the Super Bowl? Yeah, I started in the second quarter. But yeah, yeah. Was it kind of uneventful? For- it was. <laughs> I, like, I, I think. I think by the third quarter, I was like, uh, "Jen, you want to watch a movie?" <laughs> now I, I under I understand I understand that um, for most people, but I've been a Brady fan for a long time, so I was pretty stoked. And I'll tell you, for me, like. I was like, this is the first Super Bowl that I've watched of this guy that like, I'm like, I could take a breath and then just enjoy the game. Like his, his past, <laughs> his past Super Bowls. I mean, it comes down to the thread every time, you know, it comes down to within six points or four points or three points. Um <laughs> Thank you. Froze a little bit. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Guys, the, this the, we've been having some technical difficulties tonight, so bear with us. I don't know what it's going to look like on the final product, but uh, hopefully it's not too bad. But anyway, yeah, um, uh, Brady, yeah, it was, it was nice to enjoy a Super Bowl where you were like, I'm pretty sure we're going to win this one. And uh, – um, I've been a Brady fan forever, been Patriot fan forever. Do you remember uh I think we were freshmen. Do you remember when uh Drew Bledsoe's dad came to the school and uh we had like an assembly or whatever and and uh it might have been in eighth grade because you weren't there in eighth grade, right? No, I wasn't. But I, I know that we went to the high school and uh I know that we were in the high school during that assembly, but I can't remember if I was in eighth grade or ninth grade. I know we were younger, but, but anyways, Drew Bledsoe's dad, who was the quarterback for the Patriots, um, who's also from Washington state and we were in Idaho, but, uh, uh, pretty much from that day forward, I, I kind of, I, I always had a liking for the, for the Patriots. Cause I, you know, wanted to, you know, if you want to call Drew Bledsoe, the hometown, kid or whatever uh he was as close to hometown to us as as i could ever imagine so so from that moment on you know i was pretty young back then but from that moment on i I had a i had a bit of a liking for the patriots and then uh so i always kind of kept an eye on them and then brady came in and and um you know he started doing his stuff and and uh yeah i've been patriot fan for some time one thing that I've noticed that, that I get the older I get, the more I realize that I'm more of a player fan than a team fan. If that makes sense. It, 
you know, unless, unless you're uh, from the state, like now I live in Colorado, so I'm obviously a, a Denver fan. You know, I, I like Denver um, support them, but if you don't have a team in your state, it's kind of pointless to be a, a diehard. This is just my opinion. So it is, you know, it is what it is, but um, I've, I noticed that I like to follow players because whenever I was really young, Jay Rice, Joe Montana, and Steve Young, those three were, 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 um, were like, like, um, ah, what's the word I'm looking for? They were like, they were like football gods to me, you know, like they, they, and they were all, you know, from the 49ers. So I, I liked the 49ers because of them. It, I didn't have no attachment to the 49ers necessarily, but I liked the 49ers because of those three guys. And uh, and then other guys too that played there like uh, uh, Merton, Martin Hanks. Nah, I can't remember his name completely, but Ronnie Lott, Martin Hanks, Merton Hanks. I think it's Martin Hanks. Um, who else played there? There's a couple other guys that I really liked um, that I, you know, would watch or whatever and really liked the 49ers because of because of those guys. And the, the same thing with the Patriots is I'm, I'm a Patriot fan still, but I uh, definitely, you know, like to follow the players and, and Tom Brady going to uh, to the Buccaneers and, and Gronkowski going over there. Like, uh, you know, it's just exciting to see them take their career over there. And I've been a Gronk fan since, he, you know, he broke out into the league. And and so uh, to watch them guys all year, I it was hard. It was hard to believe whenever I'd be like, let's go Bucks," you know, but um, uh, it was hard to it's hard to understand why I was doing that. But it was, basically, I'm just a player fan and <laughs> and, uh, follow, you know, I just followed Brady and Gronk and uh, became a fan of the Bucks because of it. But, you know, it's mostly because of Brady and Gronk. But anyways, going back to the Super Bowl, for me, I thought it was great. I, I mean, I was I was excited the whole time. And and my personal thought was is because the Chiefs are just so um, they're so lethal. They're, they're a lethal, lethal team. I really thought that it might be a good game, but the Chiefs were going to come out on top. I think Mahomes is an excellent quarterback, one of the best that the league, the league, the NFL has ever seen. And uh, so, I mean, I, I really thought that the chiefs were going to win and, and it, it didn't work out that way. Um, I was obviously hoping that Brady would get another Super Bowl. I know some people are like, ah, he's had enough share the wealth, but uh, I mean, whenever you're a fan of the guy, it's, but if you can win them, why not? Right. Like if you can win them, why not? And just like hunting, if you're going to, if you have the, I mean, we talk about shooting whatever, you know, like little buck, big buck. I'm that's what you're going to, that's what you're going to go after. Right. <laughs> you right. Can, you can. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, whatever you can get. And yeah, I mean, you know, I, I know, I know Brady's had it tough and, you know, like, I mean, seven Super Bowls and, you know, just, I mean, the guy's had it tough, you know, he's not quite as fortunate as I am, but, you know, he's getting there and, and I'm, and I'm, uh, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm proud of him. So <laughs> he's not quite as fortunate as me, but, you know, I'm proud of him. So, uh, 
seven Super Bowls, man. That, that's just crazy. I mean, the best, to my knowledge, the most and the the most that's ever been won was four. Uh, by uh, Terry Bradshaw and Joe Montana. And I want to say there's another guy in there, but I can't remember who that is. And then we got Brady that's won seven. And he's been to 10 too. I mean, that's, but he's been in the league for so long. Like, I mean, that is one thing. The guy's literally had and has enough stats on him that he's, he's literally had two careers, two <laughs> hall of fame careers at that. So it's amazing, but it, it, it's a cool story, man, to be living through these times. I mean, I, I, I think it's so cool to, you know, cause there's stuff like we'll, we'll never see going to like basketball. We'll never see a Michael Jordan again. I don't think I, I don't, I, I just don't think the league is, you know, a lot of people, you know, the, the, the argument is always LeBron or Jordan. I think LeBron is the best player for this time. And I think he's, uh, he's a great player. I mean, I think, right. I, 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 I don't know. I mean, but I just don't think that, I don't think that he has, I think that he is a competitor. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a competitor. I think that he, he fights hard to win, but um, I think like Jordan, the difference between LeBron and Jordan, in my opinion, is Jordan had like that deep, deep competitive edge. I think LeBron has a lot of skill, but Jordan had that deep competitive edge after watching the last dance, especially that documentary. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I mean, you know, cause I used to be like, I don't know, man, maybe, maybe LeBron is the better player. Right. And then I watched that last dance and I'm like, LeBron can't even hold a candle. So. <laughs> we're going to say something. It froze a little bit there. Man, we're freezing again. I know. It's kind of getting worse. But I was just going to say, it is kind of interesting. Uh, they're not, I don't know, interesting or quite the right word. But, you know, it just seems like everyone these days in the league, not that I know, I'm not that big of a f- sports, well, don't follow sports that closely. But, you know, they're all, they're all a little bit heavier, a little bit more muscular nowadays than they were. I'm, but... You know, I don't know. I just I think you kind of have something there to be cut from your was it your high school team didn't really don't really even play basketball till was it senior year in college? No, it, it was it was uh, senior year in high school, I believe. That's- no, I, 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 I meant what I meant was his senior year in high school and then into college. Yeah, it's when he really started playing and then to become an all time great. can't that says more than i don't know uh it's crazy to think though that he got cut cut because he didn't have the skills but he practiced hard enough to have the skills yeah that mental drive man it goes to show you can be anything i mean i jordan was like six three or so i mean you know he had some attributes about him that really helped him out along the way but (laughs) but uh at the same time i mean he he worked hard for everything that he had. And, and uh, I mean, it's a good lesson to think, you know, if you just like really work hard at what you want and, and uh, well, you know, 
and it, it, it can happen. Right. He worked hard and he worked hard in the fundamentals. I, you know, like he developed his skill in in where it was needed. It wasn't like he just, you know, was like, Oh, I'm going to be great. He worked on the little things so that back to football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, I think it's a great time to be alive and, and I think Patrick Mahomes is going to win. He'll, you know, depending on how, how long his career goes, uh, you know, he could win. I mean, did you see some of the throws that guy made? I mean, practically falling on the ground and he'd throw a freaking 30 yard football. I'm like, how in the world is he doing that? You know, I mean, if he can keep, if he can keep up that skill and that, the the thing that worries me about Patrick Mahomes is is um he's a safe he's a safe quarterback whenever he runs but you know running out socket i mean that's that's the one thing about Brady is Brady Brady knows his limitations and and uh he's not as flashy as Mahomes and but but he he knows one thing he's a pocket quarterback and he makes things happen in that pocket and uh you know uh, today's quarterbacks, they're, they're, they're a lot more mobile. They're moving outside the pocket and, and they have, uh, they, they, they can make plays. Uh, Russell Wilson is another one that, uh, you know, the guy can do three sixties in the backfield and, and everybody, nobody can tackle him. And then he throws a bomber down the field and, you know, makes a 60 yard touchdown. Uh, it, I mean, it's just, it's phenomenal to watch. It's, it's exciting to watch, but, but, uh, you know, Brady, I mean, a lot of the reason the guy's only been injured one time and that was in, I believe 2008 and it was something with his leg and, uh, and he was out the whole season. It's been a long time. So I can't remember all the details, but one time in his whole career guy's been in the NFL. I mean, he's probably been my, you know, probably had micro injuries or whatever, you know, you know what it's like to be in some kind of football, you know, high school football or you're injured all the time. Yeah. You get a little beat up. So I'm sure Brady's been beat up over the years, but only one time has it actually taken him out of a game or out of a season. And, um, out of 20 years, out of 20 years in the NFL, one time. So the guy's taking care of his body, pocket quarterback, and um and and just knows knows basically when to get rid of the ball, you know, when to you know, I mean that's why that's why they say if you can get if you can get to Brady, you know, if if he can start uh if he starts hearing footsteps, he'll and he kind of does it. I think the older he gets, the more he does it. Uh you'll see him, you know, he'll 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 get a sense that there's a defender right there, and instead of trying to be cute or do anything cool, he'll just kind of fall down to the ground because he knows he knows it's coming. So, you know, he doesn't want to take those big hits. But I mean, he's had a he's had a 20 year career, and uh, you know, not a lot of football players can say that they've they've been able to last that long. So, it's just been it's been an awesome ride, you know, and and. Uh, with perspective and getting older, you know, it's, you realize people get old and retire, you know, and, and I mean, that's just kind of the name of the game and, and uh, it's going to be kind of a sad day whenever he finally does retire, but he's gave us, 
he's gave us over 20, you know, if you're a fan of Tom Brady, obviously uh, he's given a, given us over 20 years of excitement, you know, and, and playoff runs, Super Bowl runs. Um, it's just amazing. 10 super. I mean, it's hard enough to, to make it to the playoffs, making it to the Super Bowl is a whole nother game. And then to win the Super Bowl is a whole not, whole nother game. So the fact that he's done it 10 times, I mean, it's just amazing. And, and he's had a lot of help along the way. And I mean, you know, there's so many factors. I mean, he's not just one man, but, but I think because of his hard work and, and uh, dedication to the game and uh, leadership, I think it really helps, you know, that, that, uh, you know, now you could say whatever organization he's at, it really helps push them toward the, the final destination of, of the Super Bowl. I mean, in one year, they turned the Tampa Bay Buccaneers franchise into a whole nother team. They haven't even made it to the playoffs in like 20 years or whatever it was. I don't know if it's quite that long, but it's been a long time since they even made it to the playoffs. And then, and then to the Super Bowl has even been longer. And then in one year, Brady takes gets them all the way. And, and like I said, there's a lot of other factors. I don't want to just put it all on Brady, but but he's a big portion of that. Like in one year, turn that franchise around, make it to the Super Bowl. That usually doesn't happen. It's usually a two or three year process, and he did it in one year. That's right. a goat. That's a goat, man. Well, I mean, you think about it, there's a lot of jitters and stuff that goes along when you get to that level, like you know just making it to the NFL, you, you got to change your mindset once you get there. This, uh, you know, this is me thinking hypothetically. I, Of course, I haven't been there. Never will. Would like to, but would not, never will. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't we uh, all? Uh, but, you know, so then, you know, once then once you get into it, you get your feet set and you can play pretty good. And then, like you said, making it to, you know, the, the Super Bowl and stuff and, you know, once you've been there once, you know what that feels like. You know, you it's it's just another game, even though it, it doesn't feel like another game, but that's all it is. It's another game. But once you've been there a handful of times and then you can lead your team, you know, like, oh, no, this is – yeah, it's a Super Bowl, but, you know, we just play our, play our, play our game and we'll be good. You know, keeping, keeping those nerves, it's – you know, I think that's a big part of it too is just understanding how to deal with your nerves at those higher, higher uh, expectations. On the bigger stages. Right. And if you haven't been there, you know – it's a whole different, I'm sure, a whole different pressure cooker. But well, if you have been there, you can be like, hey, guys, you know, this is what you're going to feel like. This is what you feel like you're going to want to do, but this is what you're going to need to do. <laughs> right, right. But, yeah, no, it's it's amazing. I don't know, man. I I love this stuff. I love, I love sports. I love hunting. Oh, motocross is going on right now, too. I need to start adding that into our little podcast because <laughs> – I mean, I'm a big motocross guy. Have you watched any motocross this year at all? No, I haven't. You have offended me in the Sherman Temple. (laughs) I now disown you. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, it's fine. I I get it. I get it. But you, well, you're into motocross though. I mean, you go, you've went and watched them over there at the stadium a few times. Yeah. Track, but 
I've done. Say, I used to say that. Say that. that say that again. You froze up. Uh, I used to work at a motorcycle track. Oh, that's right. So I've been around it for years, but I just haven't followed it. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Yeah, it's exciting. Uh, well, I'll go into that a little bit from what I can remember. Ken Roxon has the point lead right now. Um, my favorite guy because he's kind of the hometown favorite. Um, plus, he's he's an exciting rider too, but he's also the hometown fav- favorite is uh, Eli Tomac. And uh, he's currently setting in third, I believe, um, in the points. Uh, he hasn't been, he just hasn't been getting up for very much is, or as much as he should be uh, for a defending champion. So um, he's got to figure some stuff out. His biggest thing is he never gets good starts. I don't know what it is about his starts. I don't know if he's not aggressive enough on the starts, but the rest of the, the rest of the, the rest of the race, I mean, there's times he's like clear back in 15th and he'll find his way all the way up to second place. Sometimes even first, it's like, dude, if you just started out in first place, if you just get a better start, you'd be 15, 20 seconds ahead of everybody else, you know, but instead you're not aggressive on the starts and, and, uh, you're freaking, you know, uh, 15th place sometimes or whatever, you know, in the beginning of the race. And then he has to fight through everybody to get up to whatever place he finishes in. But, but um, this year the competition is, is really, really stiff. I mean, it's, everybody's good. Um, ah, what's his name? Cody Webb. Is that right? The Webster Webb, uh, Roxon, Tomac, um, who else is up there? Censorillo. For so, I, uh, right now, I can only think of their last names. I can't really think of their first names, but except Ken Roxon and and uh, Eli Tomac. But anyway, like they're all. I mean, the 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 top five guys. They they've been the top five guys pretty much every week. You know, top five, top ten, and uh, uh, th- yeah, it's. It's a crazy year this year. And then also to add in there, uh, they're doing this crazy like three race at every every town they're at. I, I'll i have to look at the schedule, but I think they're going to finish up in, in Salt Lake. They're, the, uh, they're going to do the championship race in Salt Lake instead of Vegas like they usually do huh. for whatever reason. I might want to fact check me on that, but I believe that's what's happening. But what they're doing is they're going to all these – town or states and uh instead of just racing their one weekend and moving on to the next state they they've been racing at that state uh three races and then they go to a different state trying to basically what they're trying to do is because of the covid protocols and all that good stuff they're basically condensing their their uh season and so they're racing they're racing i believe a saturday tuesday and then saturday again is what they're doing and then and then move into a different state. So it's kind of a crazy year this year because of that. But uh regardless though, it's uh it's still always fun to watch. So I haven't caught a lot of the Tuesday races, but um but I've been catching as many of the Saturday races as I can. And uh 
been been a lot of fun. So uh I don't know. That's about all I got for sports, Joe. Do you got anything else? No, I think we should call it. We're about an hour and fifteen. Woo. <laughs> but uh yeah, I don't really have anything else, but so I guess we'll send us send us down the road. <laughs> yeah, you want me I you froze up again. You want me to or you to? You can go ahead and do it. I'm I'm fine with that. All right. Hey guys, uh I just want to say thanks again. Uh if you're still listening at this point, uh definitely thank you. Um yeah, uh they, you know, thanks for, for uh, subscribing to us, listening to us. And if you haven't subscribed yet, consider subscribing. We're working hard every week to try to make, you know, good podcasts. And uh, some of them we hit, we, you know, feel like we kind of hit it out the park or, or at least do a, a, a good job. And some, some weeks, maybe not so much, but uh, we're trying week and that's what really matters. You know, we're really trying to grow this thing. So, do us a favor, share, share the podcast and, and, uh, uh, YouTube with a friend, uh, give us a like, you know, help support us, help us grow. Really appreciate it. And, uh, with that said, guys, have a good week and we'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening to the struggling hunters. I'm out. See ya.